Hey everybody, my name is Tom, and once a month since September, we have been um, diving into something called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's based on a book by a guy named Pete Scazzaro, and our adaptation of that is this teaching series that we're calling Fully Mature. And I want to give you um, a little bit of a, of a heads up as we get into this, um, that this is going to be challenging this morning, right? It's going to take some, some courage, this, this topic. And before we dive in, I want to remind us of one of the things that I say a lot and that is really important here at Crossroads, and that's this. That's the idea that we are, um, we are a kind of people who meet each other where we're at, and then we help each other move towards Jesus together. Because as, we, um, as we're moving along in this teaching series, it gets us today to the topic of limits and loss and grief, and how those things, while hard, can enlarge our souls, right? Grief and loss can enlarge our souls. Now, that is, um, that can be hard to hear. It's like, I still like, still doesn't feel quite right coming out of my mouth, Um, but it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. So as we, as we think about this really hard topic, I want to ask you one thing, right? And I remind us of meeting us where we're all at together. Um, is that you would try to listen for what God is saying to you, what God might be trying to impress upon you. Not what you think he might be saying to somebody else or not what you might think, I hope you get out of this, right? I want God to speak to you today, to meet you right where you're at, and then we come together, meeting each other where we're at, and we all move towards Jesus together, all right? So we're all at different starting points, all working our way towards Jesus, and that's a good thing, right? That's what church is supposed to be. That means we don't gloss over the hard stuff. We don't minimize it. Um, we, we address it. We pay attention to it. We work through it together, and we move on. I want to ground us in a piece of scripture before we go any further and this is uh, from a New Testament letter, a little book called First Thessalonians, written by the Apostle Paul to a group of new believers who were actually doing really well. They were really tracking with Jesus, um, but they, were, they had some concerns about their loved ones who they had lost. So Paul writes this to them. This is First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we believe that God will bring Jesus with those who have fallen asleep in him. There are two critical, critical biblical truths embedded in those two verses. The first one is this, is that Jesus lived a perfect life, died an innocent death, and then he rose again. He beat sin and death and rose again. For those who are with Christ, those who are in Christ, they also get to experience that resurrection. That's the first thing, right? Resurrection is a real thing in and through Jesus. The second part of that, what that means for those of us who have lost, that means that we can have hope. Right? We can experience that loss. It's sad and it's hard and it's confusing. But we don't experience those emotions without 
the additional emotion of hope, right? That's super, super important as we, as we dive into, um, into the rest of this idea. And I realized that um, talking about these things in the midst of experiencing loss can feel super unsatisfying. But I'm standing here with you today talking to you from my heart as one who has experienced loss, one who will experience loss, as one who has come through the other side and been able to to wait on God, to share with God the pain and the hurt and to wait on him in that confusing in between and then experience the things that only he can do with even our hardest um, experience of limits and losses. And so the idea that limits and losses can be transformative is one of the key aspects of the hardest part, maybe, of what discipleship to Jesus means. Now, discipleship is just a fancy church word that means growing in the image of Jesus, that we would become more like him, we would think more like him, act more like him. And so this, even Jesus had limits in his humanity. Even Jesus, especially Jesus, suffered loss even Jesus suffered loss. And if anything has shown us loss, it's been the last two years. The disruption that we've experienced has revealed limits that we didn't know were there. And as a result, we've all experienced loss of one kind or another. When we pay attention to those limits and those losses and we bring them before God and we wait to see what he's gonna do with him, there's opportunity there. It's easier than done, right? I know that's why we do it together. That's why we need the perspective of those who have recognized their limits, who have suffered loss, who have grieved and come through the other side so we can have their perspective. We need the perspective of those who are in the middle of it. So primarily we can be there for you, but also that you can remind us of how hard it is, and so that we would not become insensitive to how hard it is, and we wouldn't flippantly throw out Bible verses as band-aids on a bullet wound. We do this, we do this together. So there's maybe no, no harder loss, no more stark reminder of the fact that we have limits than that of death, especially the death of, of a loved one. We also need to recognize that there are other limits that produce loss. And as I'm saying, it's, there's, we can't fall into the trap of comparison, right? We all have stuff, we all have experienced loss, and my loss is not harder than your loss and vice versa. But we need to, if we're gonna take this idea of emotionally healthy spirituality seriously, we have to address um, all of those limits and losses and bring them before God. So real quick, um, here's just some, some of the things that Scazzaro points out in his books that are limits that we all have that draw our attention or create or reveal a loss. All right, so um, our, our physical bodies, right? I, you guys know that I played football growing up, played football in college. I knew I wasn't going any further than college because I wasn't big enough, I wasn't strong enough, I wasn't fast enough. 
It's a limit of who I am, and that's a loss that I had to, I had to deal with, right? Our families of origin. I grew up child of divorce, child of, um, of, of addiction, and those are limits that are, are placed on me. Marital status, whether you're single or married, both of those could be a limit. Gail definitely has a limit in being married to, married to me. We all have um, capacities that are part of our, the package that makes us us, right? Uh, intellectual, our talents, our gifts, our abilities, um, our raw material, the way we're wired, our temperament, all of that. There's gifts in there, yep, but there's also limits, things that we are not able to do. Uh, material wealth, even, even a millionaire, a billionaire has limits, right? Their money will eventually, will eventually run out. Things like our time, our work realities, um, and even the idea of wrong ideas about God and about church. And I think about that one, and um, that's actually like, I don't know, maybe I would consider it even a positive limit that um, my understanding of who God is and who the people of God are is a lot different now than it was when I first came to know Jesus when I was 18, and that's a good thing. But sometimes with that, it's like leaving behind ideas. Um, and one of the ones that I've wrestled with over the course of time is that if you do the right thing, good things will happen. Right? And I'll, most of the time, that works out. But sometimes, it doesn't matter how many right things you do, we still encounter limits, loss, hardship, struggle, suffering. All right, so um, those are just some like a, a, a partial list of limits and losses that we encounter. Another list that Scazzaro offers in this chapter is less than optimal ways of responding to limits and loss and grief. He points out um, things like denial, pretty self-explanatory, minimizing, blaming others, including God, over-spiritualizing, blaming ourselves for our limits and our losses. Oh, I'm no good, that's just what, it, just what I deserve kind of thing rationalizing, intellectualizing, distracting, becoming hostile and medicating. Now, if you remember back to last week, I shared with you that concept of beeps, right? Behaviors, experiences, events, people, and substances. This is like a, a more finely detailed, finely nuanced list of those things, um, of, of the way that we can respond to these, these difficulties. Now, the Bible does give us some, some pretty good direction on what we can do with limits, loss, and grief. And I wanna point, point out three things to you. Um, and the first one is this, is that we, would, that we would pay attention, that we would pay attention to our limits. I mean, growing up in athletics, I was always encouraged to see a limit as something that was supposed to be destroyed and blown through and pushed through. Um, but if we, instead of doing that, if we had stop and pay attention to them, you know, it's only recently that I've allowed myself to pay attention to some pretty significant losses. And I, it's in no small part due to the fact that I've been spending a lot of time um, reading, studying, praying, meditating upon the Psalms. The Psalms are that biggest book that's in the Bible. It's right in the middle of the Bible. It's 150 chapters. Sometimes it's called the, the Bible's song book. Sometimes it's called the Bible's prayer book. Um, but more than two-thirds of those Psalms are expressions of people when they recognize their limits or they're experiencing loss or they're crying out to God in, in, their, in their grief. And as I, as I began to relate and resonate with the psalmist, I, I was able to allow myself to enter into, um, to enter into this sadness. And 
this is a, a specific area, but I think kind of the, the mindset around it can be, can be applied to anything, right? So when you, when you love someone who struggles with, with substance abuse, it's, it's like you lose them, but they're still there. And so because of that, I didn't allow myself to, to grieve some of the losses that come along with that because I thought if I did, if I did admit there was a loss, if I did pay attention to it, if I, did, if I allowed myself to be sad, then somehow that that would be cutting off the, the hope of the future when nothing could be further from the truth. It was only when I began to allow myself to be sad about some of those losses, to bring those losses before God, that I freed myself from the past and I could be with God in that confusing, God, why? What, how long is this gonna, I don't even understand what I'm supposed to do now. And it's only when we can reveal that stuff to God and we can be honest with him and bring it to him that, um, that we, can, we can begin to move on. No one, um, no one is more careful, tender, gentle, whatever description you wanna use, with our pain than Jesus. We can trust him, we can bring that stuff to him because no one experienced pain like he did. Scripture refers to Jesus as a man of sorrows. He was betrayed and beaten and broken. He knows what it's like to experience a limit and to lose. We can trust him, we can trust him with that stuff. So we pay attention to our limits and our losses and we grab onto Jesus and then we wait in this, the confusing in-between time. Just like we talked about with the wall, this, the wall and the grieving and loss are, are really closely related. Um, there's no prescribed length of time that this process takes. It's not even a process, sounds, it's not that linear. That there's no um, manner, there's no duration. We, we come before God and we wait because the crux of our faith is, is the assurance of the things that we hope for and it's the confidence of the things that we do not see. I wanna share with you two, two verses from um, Psalm 27. I should have just highlighted the whole, the whole thing yellow, but it's the, the very end of Psalm 27. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. The, this whole Psalm is about somebody who is being attacked by wicked people, who an army is besieging him. War is breaking out against him. Um, there are false witnesses spouting malicious accusations. And yet he is confident. The psalmist is confident. He's confident that he's going to see the goodness of the Lord. He's going to see life come out of all that destruction, out of all that death, out of all those limits and all that loss. And man, the psalm, I just love the psalmist because they're so real. He calls out the wait part, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. But then he says, be strong and take heart. Be strong and take heart. This is not easy, right? So we gotta steal ourselves up. We gotta steal ourselves up. But we're doing it waiting on God. And there are numerous verses throughout the Bible that talk about this idea of waiting on God. And the summary of all of them is this, is that God's timing is perfect. 
God will give us the strength to endure whatever might come in that time while we are waiting on him. And then when that time comes to its completion, God will do what only he can do and bring new life out of that loss. I don't understand how he does it. I just know that he does it. Scripture tells us, and I've experienced it. it there are other people within our community who have experienced it. And that brings us to the last point of how we, um, of how we can handle limits and loss and grief biblically, and that's we let the old birth the new in his time. And I'm gonna share with you a couple of verses from the book of Lamentations, and it's just what it sounds like. It's a book of sadness. It was written by a prophet when, the, um, when Jerusalem was under siege by the Babylonians. They were, taking over, they were destroying the city, tearing down the walls, tearing down the temple, taking people captive, people being killed and tortured and, and, um, and brought in as, as prisoners. And then it's five chapters long. Smack dab in the middle of these chapters is a couple of verses. Is a couple of verses that, um, well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read them. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. This is written to a people in a city under siege. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail; they are new every morning. Great is Your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord's great love, that word for love is the Hebrew word hesed. We've been talking about it over the course of time. And hesed is the consistent, ever faithful, relentless, constantly pursuing, lavish, extravagant, unrestrained, furious love of our Father God. And it's that that um, keeps the people who are under siege, who are being attacked, who are experiencing loss from being consumed. And then the next line says, his compassions never fail. Some translations say his mercies never fail. So I hope and pray this is not the case. But if we were to experience a new limit or a new loss every single day, God would be able to meet us every single day with more compassion and with more mercy. God's compassion is never fails, never fails and it goes back to this idea of his faithfulness that I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. We can rely on him as we wait for him. <clears throat> Limits and loss are inescapable. But with Jesus, we are never alone in that pain. And the pain is never wasted. With Jesus, limits and loss never have the last word. So, um, I want to I want to give you an opportunity. There's going to be a uh, a button that pops up in the chat. Um, if you if you are in a spot where you are, maybe just even as I've been talking, right? God has been tugging at your heart, and and a loss or a limit that you have you haven't addressed has been kind of brought to the surface, and you want to deal with it. Would you let us know so that we can walk with you through it, so we can pray for you? You don't, if you don't want to attach your name to it, that's all right. If you want to, that would be great. If you want us to reach out to you about it, let us know that too. But at the very, not the very least, because it's, it's such a huge tool that we have, but we want to be able to, to be praying for you as, um, as you're paying attention to those losses and as you're waiting on God and that confusing in between so that we can all celebrate together when we see 
how he births the new from the old and his perfect timing. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are not unfamiliar with our pain or our sorrow. Thank you that you experienced our limits and that you are painfully aware of loss. Thank you that you um, don't leave us alone in our limits and our losses. And thank you that as only you can do, you meet us in the middle of them and you move us forward and you bring life from death. God, we pray especially today um, for the Newton family as they grieve the loss of Diane. God, we pray for the Tippets and the Kelves as they grieve the loss of Jean. God, I pray for, um, for each of us as we address those areas in our lives that are still raw and sore. God, where loss is, is all too close. God, would you meet us in the midst of, of that pain? Would you show yourself to us as we wait on you? Give us the courage to pay attention, the perseverance to wait, and God, give us the eyes to see what you're gonna do. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen.